This is a big week in the Clark house. Mark Clark is turning the big four over the hill, as they say. Is that is this the over the hill? That's the one I remember from back in the day when uh, my mom turned forty. She got a mug, or might have been my aunt. I would have thought fifty said was over, the, over hill. the hill. No, well, fifty is the new over the hill. See, forty is the new thirty. Mm, right? Yeah, so 50 yeah, is the yeah. new 40. Yeah, 40 is just kind of when life's beginning for many people. Yeah. Yeah, like if you look at like a like a 60-year-old mm. like or a 60, you know, like 20, 30 years ago, they look like, you know, Wilford Brimley or whatever. I don't know. You know, from that. Cocoon, <laughs> you know, the, the, the diabetes guy or the, I think he was Quaker Oats guy. Anyway. Okay. But now 60 is like Tom Cruise or something, mm, you know, it's like yeah, a different yeah. world. Yeah. You know, or like J-Lo, what is she, like 85? She looks sure 20. You know, so it's like, it's like the new, you know. Yeah, So yeah. that's like us. Okay, so. It's, it's like we're 30. Over the hill. So it's like. Over the hill. Means it's downhill. Yeah, it's here. downhill till you die. So you're basically on your way to death now. Oh, okay. You, you peaked. Wow. They, and now you're over the hill. Yeah. At 40. 40. That right? feels too weird. young. It yeah. feels like you're just kind of ready maybe? to yeah. be comfortable. Yeah, I'm ready to peak. I mean, we haven't peaked. No. I mean, I keep saying we. No, I'm not you're 40 not yet. not quite there. I still have uh, another year. Don't put me in your boat. Right, anyways, I'm not yes. going over no so hill no yet. No offense to all you. But yeah, I think 40 yeah, no is the new 30. We feel... we're, we're, yeah, we're in the zone. We're young. Yeah. We're hip. I'm young. I'm yeah. spry. What are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, remember Freedom 55? You'd watch those commercials as a kid. You're like, I can't wait to be 55. Then I'm not going to work anymore. I'll be retired. I'll be free. I'll be on my (laughs) boat. And it's like, 55? What are you going to do at 56 if you're never going to work again? Like, I'll be working, I think, until I'm 80. Yeah, you probably will. Right? Mostly because we need like... Dave Ramsey to help us. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm just joking. Dave Ramsey might be the Dave Ramsey, if you'd like to sponsor the next episode yes. of this show, let yes. us know. Absolutely. We'll give you free publicity. <laughs> there was actually something yeah. that I was so excited about today. I can't even remember what it is now. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to like mention it on my show. Like yes. it's sponsored, but yeah, but then but explain not. like it's actually not sponsored. I just right. really like it. Well, let's like, make that. Let's say this episode is sponsored by Dave Ramsey podcast. I, I think that's not. It's legal. not legal to do that. I don't think oh. that's. legal. What if we say like the, the, you could sponsor the it? The Dave. If you want. It could be Bamsey sponsored. <laughs> there you go. Sponsored by Dave Bamsey <laughs> or my podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's sponsored by Mark yeah. Clark or the Problem of God. There you sponsors go. this episode of the Aaron Clark Show or whatever. What's this called? The bold, the good, the bad, the beautiful. Thanks. Thanks yes. for caring. Yes, yes. Thanks for caring hey, about look, my life. My, my publicist just tells me oh, what podcast yeah, yeah. Sorry, we I'm happen not, to be I'm sponsoring not Although, this month. <laughs> I just did that silly real thing on Instagram, and I have a million views on one of my things. A million. A million. What? Yeah, and oh, all it's done is cause me you'll issues. You'll be sponsoring my. Yeah, I'm ready book. to shut so it all down. Can you give me a book quote? Yeah, absolutely. So that that some, person who got the books. one reel with yeah, a million people yeah, and then started perfect. getting stalked perfect. on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's great. Good good times. Great. Yeah, 40 years on this planet. It's crazy. Some, would, some yeah. ways I feel like, like, okay, yeah. how is it 40? Like, how are you 40? And then in other yeah. ways, I'm like, wow, you're only 40? Mm, that's an interesting dichotomy. Why do you feel yeah, that? Not your paradox? looks. You look. You look great. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So that's the part of you that goes, "How is he forty? No, I just look, I feel like it's just skipped through because like, we were. Oh, I was seventeen when we started dating. Right. You were eighteen. Right. You were just but a wee boy. Mm-hmm. And and now you're like he hasn't really no, evolved no, past no, that wee boy. No, okay, opposite. Okay. I feel like it's just like a blip. Like okay. all of a sudden, how are we? 
considered oh, middle yeah. age. Right. That's or weird. over the, that's weird. Yeah. That's weird because right. I we're still feel like it's midlife crisis we're still these young teens. That's an interesting question. What does a midlife crisis look like for Mark Clark? It's oh, gosh. Is that where we're going? I feel like your life has what always would, been somewhat right. of a midlife crisis, the way you wow, live. What is that? Mean? In a good way. Like you just have this, like, oh, I feel like you lived it more through your 20s and then mm. you came into your own in your 30s. Wow. What are you just defining your... as a midlife crisis? Because <laughs> most people would say, Isn't it more like selfishness? Like, wow. it's about. Wow. <laughs> Hello. It's Check. about you. You think I'm going to keep doing this podcast <laughs> if all you do is beat me up? No, I no, mean that you, in a good way. A midlife crisis is, is like, it? oh my goodness, you know, I've kind of not wasted my life, but I've come to this mm. in moment of, I haven't done really what I want, so I'm going to buy a car. I'm going to cheat on my spouse. I'm going to oh, okay. spend not a lot of money. One. I'm going to take not a lot of one. risks. I'm going to do that thing that, but that I, don't I was think... always afraid of. Like, no, no, I'm not yeah. saying everyone does that. No, I'm no, but I'm thinking that's the pressure of the midlife. On my life's haven't... almost over. So I'm going to do something I've always wanted to yeah, kind of yeah. do. That's what you a midlife are... crisis is. Yeah, you're probably primed for it. Like when I think about you, I'm like, wow, yeah, you're probably hitting 40 going, what have, what have I accomplished? <laughs> what have I accomplished yeah, in my true. life? My 20s, I planted yes. a church yes. that is reaching people across the globe. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, 30s, publish your first book, <laughs> Problem of God. Yeah. Then before you're 40, you squeaked in, your second book is to the publishers right now. Yes. Like out of your hands, yeah. ready right. to go. Right. It's the first you're hearing you it, ha- folks. You have a beautiful wife, like beautiful oh. wife. Oh, the cream of the crop. Neat, at least. Yeah, three kids. <laughs> Amazing three lovely- kids. Yeah, so yeah. I can see how you might be like, like the midlife. What, have, what I, have I done? In my what life? have I yeah. done? But it's amazing because yeah. because I and I agree with you. I don't feel that pressure at all in my life. But when you look at the people who do make those big moves, they are accomplished people. Mm-hmm. So it's this weird, and this kind of ties into what actually I'm write my third book about, which is like this. <laughs> ongoing pining and yearning that we have mm-hmm. that never seems to get filled or you know this hunger this thirst that never gets quenched in our life even though we try money and fame and sex and power and all these things unless we find it in god this kind mm-hmm. of saint augustine elusive home where is it you know all that so the midlife crisis is interesting because you look at people who are very successful they have millions and millions of dollars a great family and they still go through that mm-hmm. that moment of what am I, you know, doing? Do you think so, though anyway. that as the world has evolved, like even in our lifetime, mm-hmm. maybe it's less of a midlife crisis mm-hmm. because we're always pining for that. I find like the right. hot topic is always identity. Right. Who am yes, I? Who time. am I? Big am time. I enough? Where do I right. fit? How yes. does this work? Do you think that that might peak that big midlife crisis because we're constantly like when you're 20 you feel like you're not doing enough these days right. for some reason we never feel like there is a big pressure to accomplish a lot in our world and i think it adds to like the the height of anxiety depression you know uh, maybe suicide you know all of mm-hmm. these like societal ills i think part of it out of a you know maybe a a 40 different angles would be like this sense of, man, I got to accomplish a lot, mm-hmm. which might be stirred on by social media and being able to, you know, they say that comparison is the, 
you know, basically, uh, the, the, it's toxic to contentment. You're never content when you're comparing, comparing, comparing. And what better tool to endlessly compare your life than social media? Mm, you know, mm-hmm. you see, you know, we, we could, you know, you could just come back from the uh, vacation in Hawaii for three weeks, be back to work for two weeks, and see your friend went to Hawaii and be jealous. Maybe they went to Bora Bora. Or went to they Bora talked Bora. you off. They talked you. Yeah. And, and so they don't even, have to, they don't even have to top you. They just have to be doing it at a time you're not doing it. Yes. <laughs> you yeah, just yeah. did it. You just did it. And they haven't done it in 10 years. Yeah. And you do it once a year and you're still jealous because mm-hmm. you're not doing it then. Because you're at your desk then and you're in this boring meeting then. <laughs> but they're not. And it's this endless you know, bottomless pit of comparison that makes you go, oh my gosh, did I ever accomplish anything in life enough? Anyway, so that's who, who do you think determines this? Like, how does a person, what's the gauge on, is somebody telling somebody it's enough? Is it our inner? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great psychological question. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, obviously the answer becomes, you get a contentment, like Paul talks about Philippians 4, in Christ versus the things of the world. And then you can you cannot accomplish, quote unquote, by the gauge of the world a lot in life, but still die happy. Because as Paul says, you know, First Thessalonians, what if you just lived a, a quiet and content life? Mm-hmm. What if you just lived on a farm and raised your crops and, you know, had a good family and you were faithful to your spouse and you died as a great, great grandfather and you served your church and whatever and you ne- no one ever knew your name. Yeah, you know? that's not what people are going to talk about. Right. So. so I think there's a contentment that has to kind of drive us that won't lead us to make massive mistakes. That as Car- My buddy Kerry Newhoff writes in his book, Didn't See It Coming, he says that moment of burnout, you know, just make sure... Here's a great principle for life. Make sure you don't make massive big decisions in moments of pressure mm. and like stress, you know, don't buy that car <laughs> during COVID, yeah, you know, yeah. that you always wanted to buy and you know you can't afford, you know. Yeah. Don't make those massive, don't get that divorce or or quit that job in moments of massive stress. Let it chill, let it, anyway. So mm-hmm. I, I, I would, you know, make the analogy to potentially a midlife crisis. But anyway, yeah. I'm not in one, thank the Lord. <laughs> That's good. That's but good. I am 40 and so maybe one's around the corner. Who knows? Totally. I now, we've talked about some of your accomplishments here. Oh, and lots. <laughs> no, but <laughs> the honest, list is endless. No, but honestly, you have given your life to spread the gospel, to preach, to share Christ with those around. And have reached a nation. You're invited all over to speak. And yet, in the quietness of our home, you're the most humble person I've ever met. Mm. So you have, like, I'll go, this is no joke, I'll go to Mark's speaking events, and there'll be lineups of people to meet them, to get their picture, and they'll get to the front, and they'll hand me their stuff. And they'll be like, can you, can you take our picture? And they'll just like wrap their arms around like. <laughs> yeah. Hey, random nobody. <laughs> hey, no name. Yeah. Can you hold my That's phone? That's me. I'm the no yeah, name. And take a picture of me and my three girlfriends. <laughs> and I'll put my arms around them and smile. Hey, yeah, yeah, you take our picture. And yet yeah, that doesn't fun. mean anything to you as far as no. you're humble because you know why you're doing this. Right. And, I, and yeah, I mean. Even if you're somebody that people are listening to or watching, whatever, 
there's always a perspective on, you know, you have 15 minutes, you know, and then it's over. (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of know that. And you watch so many of these men and women, you know, I didn't grow up in the church, right? So to me, the classic phrase is you're a big fish in a small pond. Mm -hmm. So uh, is being like someone identifiable within Christianity, like a, a big deal? I mean, it's great in the sense of like, and I'm not even identifiable, but um, if you were, it's great in the sense of like, it's for good. Mm-hmm. It's not like for bad stuff, Yeah, you know, but in the, in the, it's kind of analogous to like, people are like, well, you have a, you know, this many people go to your church and this many sites and aren't you excited? It's kind of like, well, when I drive home at night, I'm thinking about all the people who don't go to my mm. church. That's the thing that drives me every day. So it's kind of like, yeah, great. But there's still 35 million people in Canada that don't know Jesus. So Sweet. We got this little pie, this little slice of the pie. But so anyway, but it is, it's fun because we get to, you know, experience it together mm-hmm. and get to speak to a lot of people and take pictures and make people happy. But sometimes I totally, you know, I want to make people happy in the way that I would think that I would want like Tiger Woods to respond to me. You know, if I saw him in a grocery store, I'd want yes, him to like look at me, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tiger let's just jump was. right to Tiger Woods. Okay, okay. Uh, and so, yeah, speaking of a midlife crisis. So it's like, I want to treat people like that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be all, oh, leave me. I want to be smiley and happy. But sometimes I get it wrong. Mm-hmm. So people will see me <laughs> and I like to, you know, hey, smile, whatever. But they're just, but I am doing it like they know who I am. Okay. In the grocery store, you know, like, hey, yo, hi. And then they're like, yeah, I don't know who you are. <laughs> or the people that I, they'll be, you know, you're talking about these conferences, mm-hmm. 20, you know, 30 people lined up to get a book signing. And I'll sign and I'll sign and I'll sign for an hour. And then I'll see an awkward person standing off to the side with their book. <laughs> and I'll be like, hey. And they're like, hey, really good to meet you, man. Your life has blessed my life. I'll be like, cool. You want me to sign your book? They're like, yeah, no, I don't. I don't need you to sign my book, bro. I'm like, oh, okay. And I just sound, I feel like a total jerk, yeah, yeah. right? Because I'm like, it's better who do I be think kind. I am here? It's better to, oh, anyway. to be kind. So now, most people don't know you until your 30s, your late 20s, your 30s. That's yes. when you started to be known for speaking and Village Church. Um, but before that, I met you when you first started coming to church. Right. Um, so you'd been a Christian for a couple of years, right. walking the streets, praying, <laughs> having yeah. just this very organic um, relationship with God. Yeah. Then you come into the church and it's interesting that God chose somebody like you to use you because you were so misunderstood when you came into our church. Like I'm still horrified by the way that you were treated when you started coming to the church that I grew up in. Right. Do you remember those days? Yeah. Yeah. So he came in and was basically treated like you didn't belong there. You had the baggy right. pants, you smoked, and you were treated really poorly. Right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I don't... Yeah. But do you think it, it that never, that yeah. has something to do with the way that you... um Plan villages services or how you've done 
maybe maybe in some deep Freudian you know sense, but oh, maybe I'm just more sensitive to you. Well, because no, you I, were treated. I actually loved all. I I became friends with all those people and didn't really care in the end about how they treat me because I kind of understood it. I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, you're all you have this. You grew up. You didn't know anything else. So how else are you going to treat a guy like me? And so, but see it does, the humbleness. This is what I'm talking about. Well, it's like just, they were nasty to him. Yeah, like I would have walked might, away and gone. Who do these people think they are? Sure. It might be humility, but it also might be, uh, I don't know. I'm just like a realist. Like, I just know that human beings are like that. People, you know, people are, people are funny. And so when you grow up in this system your whole life and you, you know, and I probably was a little odd. You, were, you know, I, yes, you, you I talked in a Boston accent. I wasn't <laughs> even from Boston. You know, I was like, hey, what, what's Ann doing here? What are you doing? What do you guys want to go out for later? What? So it's like, that's, what is this guy? True. So. So I was a bit neurotic in the sense, but yeah, it, 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 to answer your question, I think it, it helps um, me uh, have a heart for the, you know, the guy or the gal on the margins, the real person, the person struggling with whatever, being imperfect, uh, addiction, they weren't faithful, they, you know, whatever. And it's like these people can still be used by God in the end. Grace, 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 grace. We're not a church of perfect people. We're, 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 you know, beggars, you know, looking for bread from Jesus, telling other people. So um, that, in that sense, you're right. It infused a kind of DNA of grace and realism into the church from the beginning where people who are broken could be like, okay, I belong here too, mm -hmm. not just perfect people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you came from a broken home. Yeah. So you had. Yeah. Divorce, all that. Yeah. Yeah. So you have, you have a lot of, um, you can relate to people from different yes. walks that I couldn't relate to and then yes. vice versa. Yeah, and, and I think um, I think when I do counseling, marriage counseling in particular, I don't do a lot of, you know, one-on-one. -on, I do some one-on-one -on -one counseling, but a lot of marriage counseling. And I find that I'll have a, a woman and a man who've been going to our church for a while and they'll feel comfortable enough to kind of swear, mm -hmm. you know, in our counseling, either at me, <laughs> or explaining a situation or to one another. And I look at that as kind of like, and they don't apologize and go, yeah, sorry, yeah. pastor. And there's something about that that I think that will hopefully always be, you know, part of part of my ministry. Not that I swear. I think, I think you know, in the pulpit. I mean, <laughs> maybe on the golf course once in a while. But it's like in the pulpit, like I see that as like cheap, you know, shock Mm -hmm. jock stuff like oh i'm gonna swear now and you know be cool it's like not that but like people know that i'm a real person mm -hmm. and the grace of god you know covers over a multitude of sins he saves us not because of us so in that sense you're right it has driven the the kind of the form and the content of the ministry that we we started so mm -hmm. yeah what are you so you've lived 40 years oh. on this earth just about keep reminding me uh, what are you most proud of? <laughs> I know that's a very like yeah. vague thing. Well, a few things. I think um, obviously, um, you know, the church stuff is great. Mm -hmm. Reaching lots of people for Jesus is great. Um, something I don't actually probably talk about enough um, is uh, my mom mm -hmm. and the way that she, from back in the day... She sacrificed a lot. My dad was a gong show. And so 
She worked super hard from the time she was 18, had to sell stuff because he was a mess, raised me and my brother for a bunch of years without any man around, and then married well the second time, um, and just loved us super well in times of weirdness, just loved us super well, and just raised us awesome. And so I'll have an endless love for her. She's a great woman and awesome. Um, and I don't really talk about that a lot. You know, when I when I tend to talk about my home life, I tend to frame it like, because my audience, my messaging is more about Christian versus non-Christian. Yeah. And so I'm always saying, I was raised in a non-Christian home. And I think that comes across as like negative or something. Yes, yes. But it's yeah. not. But it was like an realist. amazing, yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. an amazing home. She was great. So, so I'm proud of my mom you know, top of the list. Um, and then of course you and your life in my, you changed my whole life, the whole direction of my life. Uh, I would be, I can't even imagine who I would be, you know, without you, you know, it's like spinning out there in the world being all weird and, and uh, no, no, I probably wouldn't have done fine at all. Uh, (laughs) and so, and then our kiddos and what they're doing and, I think our ability to kind of build this life, grind it out when we need to grind, um, the forgiveness that's part of our marriage, the recognition that having a strong marriage mm. is going to filter down to everything. So I remember a couple of years ago, we were in a fight one morning about something and I just like was driving into the office and I had a bunch of these meetings and I like literally couldn't, uh, I couldn't go in. I was so stressed out by our fight. It was about whatever, mm-hmm. probably some money thing that needed to be paid off. And so, so I was stressed about it. And uh, I, was, I was like, uh, called uh, my assistant and just said, I can't do any of these meetings today. I'll, I'll, I'll cycle back around later. But it was like, I can't imagine what people go through who have terrible marriages, you know, and like 9.9 days out of 10 we're pretty good, either mm-hmm. great or good. Yeah. Uh, and so to have people go, it, how it impacts their health, how it impacts their kids, how it impacts their business life, how it impacts how successful they are in life. You know, you talk to people who are very successful, like years when my marriage was great, I made more mm-hmm. money. Years when my marriage was terrible, I just didn't make much money. I just couldn't focus. I couldn't be in the game. I can, so anyway, super grateful for how our marriage has filtered down to my ability to be able to do the kinds of things we're talking about. You know, if you were a super needy person, would I be able to walk out to my office and write for five hours every Saturday night, say goodbye to my family at five o'clock to preach? You know, you'd kind of probably be going, dude, you've been doing this 20 years. Like, do you really have to leave us every, you're good enough. Like, you're an eight out of 10. So you don't actually need to get this exactly right every time. So now maybe you enjoy the break from me a little bit. <laughs> That's understandable. But it's like this ability for this this partnership where you're not uber neat. You, you let me go away for four days on golf trips. You let me travel. Those are a little harder. Yeah, the, those the, are. Yeah, yeah. The I'm prepping not, for sermons, yeah. I get a yeah, little more sermon, because yeah. it's kingdom work. The, right. the golf the golf's, uh, yeah, yeah, a little but bit But I need more. that for my uh, spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Give me that. Give me that. I wish I took up golf. Yeah. It's like the only thing that gets you a solid eight hours. I would, and some guys are not into taking their wives in the golf course. I'm all into it. Yeah. And you're actually a great golfer. You have a great swing. You hit a ball great. So I wish you would be more into golf because I would love to take you. Yeah. So 
That's yeah. your. That's your. Maybe that's your. Form, think, that, maybe that's your midlife crisis. Maybe I maybe will get good at golf. I will older, golf twice a day, easier. twice a week with my husband. Yeah, it's hard for me to golf because you always take up the time slots. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back so in the day that, when we were dating, Mark. This is why I'm good at golf. Uh, when we were dating, Mark would not take me to a golf course. He would only take me to a driving range because he said, "Get the basics down." Yeah, unless you can hit this ball. Well, well, you're going to be embarrassed on the golf course. You're going to feel rushed. You're going to be stressed. Yeah. People will be screaming at you. You can't even hit a ball. What are you doing out here? You know, never. And now I take you on a golf course and you slay it. I do. I actually It's great. So, I anyways. I do. So, those are the things I'm proud of. I don't know. I, and then, of course, the speaking, the book, all that's great. That's just extra, like, undeserved, crazy that anyone would want to listen. But I love doing it. It's therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so all of that I'm, I'm super proud of. And then, to be honest, I remember saying a couple of years ago, I think when we either built the thing in Uganda, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the hospital and the school, it was maybe even when we did our second or third golf tournament when we set a bunch of sex slaves free mm-hmm. for 700 grand. It was like, you know, if Village Church ended tomorrow, at least we did that, Absolutely. you know. so. I'm proud of kind of the global stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, not that it's necessarily Mark and Aaron's money that's done it, but the way we've been able to use our moment mm-hmm. to get other people to give toward these needy people around the world and help them out of sex trafficking or poverty or whatever. That's like, okay, cool. At least we did that with our life. Absolutely. You know, so. Even the other day, um, it's been on my heart, one of our sponsor kids when we visited her in Uganda her house is like ready to fall down. And I I wake up some nights just like going, oh man, these kids, they all just mm. need homes. They need homes. And I had thought about, hey, we should tell like our, our friends and family, like, hey, don't give them gifts. Let's- Don't give let's, me gifts, you mean for my 40th? Yeah, for right. your 40th, yeah. let's raise some funds yeah. to build a house. We can't yeah. do it on our own. Right. So let's build some funds. But then I'm like, well, that's not fair. <laughs> Because that's my heart. I can't put that on you. Right? Like, right. like I don't know. Maybe right. you want the gift. Oh, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know what you're, what you're looking at. <laughs> just broke my driver. Oh, no. Yesterday. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's great. That's another topic I mean, a for little, another A little time. toss. Just a uh-huh. friendly toss in the ground. The thing broke. <sighs> okay. <laughs> now you're no, throwing you know me. me. Now I, I gotta... don't like gifts. I'll give you some duct gifts. tape. Yeah, I'll exactly, give you some exactly. duct tape. You know me. Gifts is like low. So anyway, you're. No, point but then was it like, was so cool because the other night I was him. just talking about yeah. it, just naturally yeah. brought it up in conversation, and you were like a hundred percent, like without even flinching. Yeah. And I love that point that we've come to in our marriage, and we both have this heart yeah. beyond ourselves. For missions, where back in the day, like that was foreign to you, right? That wasn't your natural. Yeah, yeah, you definitely brought that into my life for sure. Proclivity, yeah. and yeah. yet here you are on your birthday. So this is this is crazy. So I sent it to our friends, and then I posted it. Yeah, and within two hours, the house, all the funds were raised. For right, this it was fifty six hundred bucks for one house to go from. Nine kids living in it in rain and it's going to fall over made of clay and nonsense. Yeah. 5,600 bucks in Uganda gets you a full concrete house that gives you 
30 years of dryness and amazingness. And and literally changes the whole whole family family. life. The whole family, a whole generation. Dads will come back. The kids, yeah. So 5,600 bucks in two hours, boom, got raised. And we're like, I'm weeping, like weeping. weeping. And Mark's like, Let's, let's, just, let's go for let's it. Let's just do another one. So we just posted another one. And five hours after that, yeah, the second one Before I woke built. up the next day. Yeah, over $11,000. Oh. So thank you for all you who gave. Yes. And that's the greatest uh, birthday, 40th birthday present, you know, people could give is building two two homes for kids that we love. So anyway. Like that's so that's a legacy. So yeah. So right? anyway, coming back to your question, those are things I'm proud of. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you, um, with your girls, you grew up in a broken home. With your dad not not being very present, not being a great example. Right. And then you get married and you have three girls. Mm-hmm. Three girls. And you're like you this is the interesting thing that people might not see in your sermons, is they only see this authoritative, like you speak um with confidence. You're very confident and in control. And so sometimes I fear that you come across to people like arrogant or you don't care. You wouldn't care this about. This is news to me, gang. This oh, whatever. Is break, breaking news. You know what no, people say. I've heard this. Whatever. Keep going. Whatever. Keep going. But yet <laughs> you've managed to be, you are the most gentle being within our home to both me and the girls. Okay. Like my friends, they all say like, it's amazing. Mark, never, you don't speak poorly about me amongst no. other people. No. You always are building me, to my embarrassment, because yeah. right. I'm not a words person. Right. I'm always like, okay, okay, enough, enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're encouraging. Right. How, do you, how did you get from, from there with no example in those formative young years right. of how a man should be right. to being this like doting, huggy dad that... <laughs> Right. The girls are so excited to be like, "Hey, you want to watch Star Wars, Dad?" Like, yeah, you're in it. Yeah, you're fully in it. How yeah, do How does it. that happen? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I didn't know you were going to ask me this question, so I'm just kind of off the cuff here, trying to think. Nothing. We yeah. didn't. You didn't know any of these. No. Um, this, is, this is us just troubleshooting. Yeah. Um, so that I'm just trying to go back in my brain. I've always loved kids. So, like, even when I was, like, like not to sound weird or whatever, but, like, even when I was, like, a teenager, I used to, like, my friends who had little brothers or sisters, yeah. I would always just love hanging out with them or playing with them and always knew I, I would love. I did not know. Yeah, I know. It's like, <laughs> I did it's not like, know this. You don't want to risk this. Never, right? it's like weird. never put you in this. I know, book. but I just always did. Like, okay. I just had kind of a heart for the little like I had a friend who had like a brother who was probably 10 years her junior just because the way her parents like the kind of an accident later in life I would just always hang out with them I'm sure just he like, wouldn't appreciate being called an accident but that's cool <laughs> yeah or, that's cool no, what's the word it's not accident it's, it's a blessing it's a, yeah it's an accident it's not a mistake it's an no, accident no yeah. both okay both, both just, of them are it was yeah, a, okay Anyways, it's just a if that's unexpe- you don't an let your, don't let blessing. it trigger you an audience blessing. you're fine you're you know but I always, always hang out with him and play. So it's kind of like, I don't know, I've just always loved kids. So I always knew that I would love kids. Now. See, I would have yeah. never thought this gen- gentleness came out. Because even right. early in our marriage, you were not this gentle. Right. But something shifted. 
I don't know. I'm just all, I just always knew that when I had kids, I'd be uber like into them and into babies. I just love like kissing baby, kiss, kissing kids. Like I've always been like, <laughs> this is new like I always about. want, mm-hmm. and this might go away, but just, just riffing here. Okay. Like, I always want to be able to kiss my daughters like on the lips. And I don't know how no, long. I no. just, I know there comes yeah. an age where, it goes, but it's just like, but right now. That's what we do. It's like good night. Yes. Love you. Always hugs. Always affection. I don't care how old you get until you get married or whatever. <laughs> but it's like it's always been. You're like, like that creepy just, book. I love you forever. I'll like you for oh, always as long as you're and living I'm creeping my baby in your and me. I'm in and your she like climbs up the window, window and is rocking yeah, yeah. her. I, so her as weird as that boy. sounds, I guess I'm just like naturally into that like uber loving affection. Who knows? Maybe it's an overreaction to what I felt. Whatever. My mom gave me affection. Uh, my dad, my, you know, didn't. And mm-hmm. so, I don't know, maybe it's some kind of... But anyway, all that to say, you're right. I didn't get it from father figure, got it from mother figure. My stepdad is great. Um, but obviously, there was a, always a little bit of a distance because he didn't want to over overstretch and be uber affectionate. And uh, anyway, so I don't know. It's just kind of a natural thing that was always part of me. And by God's grace... Um, he kind of built it into me, I guess. So, and do you feel yeah. confident in your parenting, always? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I'm, I feel at law, lo- a loss, uh, at loss at times with the girls because I, you know, as we t- joke about, I, I go into '80s dad mode. Mm-hmm. I think I've got to be, you know, because I'm, I live in a world, not to get uber philosophical, <laughs> or theological, but I live in a world where. I'm constantly, like, like again, like the book I'm writing right now. Mm-hmm. So The Problem of Jesus comes out in February. Make sure you buy your copy. <laughs> Thousands of people. Uh, and then there's this third book I'm going to write that'll come out in a couple of years about us and our soul and our looking for, you know, fulfillment and meaning and purpose and identity in life and all that. And, and so one of the books I'm reading, as I was sharing with you the other day, is The Coddling of the American Mind and his mm-hmm. whole argument about how we as a culture constantly coddle and... and kind of keep our kids from the tensions of basically don't want to put them in anything that makes them that challenges them mm-hmm. right that gives them any tension he uses the peanut analogy of you know we removed peanuts from school and it actually might be one of the reasons why there's a rise in peanut allergies because we eliminated it and yada 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 and he uses that as a metaphor for how we can actually destroy a kid's soul if we never challenge them you know in that whole culture and trigger warnings and, you know, cancel culture and all that. So I live in a world where I'm constantly trying to say, hey, how does the gospel like interact with that world? And so then I try to parent and oftentimes I like, my kid's not going to be like that, you know? So, you know, and I, and I kind of talk to them like 80s dad or mm-hmm. try to talk to them like I, like I would a son maybe. Oh yeah, and you're constantly like, you know, you can't actually talk to them, <laughs> or or at least not with that tone. It's often a tone. It's not what you're saying. It's the way you're saying it. You're yeah, classic, yeah. and so I'm a con- I'm in constant struggle with that. And uh, anyway, so yeah, definitely not not doing a perfect job with that and trying to figure all that out. But hopefully, in the end, that all washes to <laughs> to the point where my kids can see that I'm actually trying to do what's you know best That's for them. Fun. Yeah. Now I have quite a lot of people that listen here that have girls coming into the age of our girls like our oldest Mm. is just 14 we've got a couple girls that have reached like the puberty years the 11 to how does that change as a dad like how do you still still feel connected in a world that's very much 
me doing a lot of the conversations, a lot of the talking. Do you feel left out or how do you keep that relationship going? Because we know how important it is that a dad stays connected to their girls. But how? How do you not all of a sudden make it so you're both awkward around (laughs) each other? Um, Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm not changing, trying not to change much. Um, because you told me not to, I mean, no, but it would naturally, I wouldn't change anything, but you, you affirmed that I shouldn't. Yeah. So, so I would, I would naturally just kind of interact with them the same. Mm-hmm. And then I would think, oh, wait, am I, is there coming an age where I'm not supposed to interact? And then you affirm, no, no, you're supposed to. And 90% of the ways you're actually supposed to still just do the same thing you were doing. Yeah. So that's what I do. But, um, but then, um, I've tried to like bring them into things um, and if they naturally, you know, are they gravitate toward it, then I really double down on it. But like, let's find those things that you, you and I, the kid and I can, hmm. can bond over. So, you know, your mother doesn't like Back to the Future or Jurassic Park or, you know, <laughs> or Indiana Jones or a litany of actual good movies. She just likes J-Lo movies. So why don't I start introducing you to age-appropriate movies that are the best? And sometimes not yeah. age-appropriate. Sometimes. Well, I haven't shown them like Schindler's List or anything. I'm waiting for that. Okay. I'm waiting for a few. Uh, <laughs> but let's, let's like bond over these. Yeah. And so far, the two oldest have loved that. And so it's Jaws, it's Indiana Jones, it's Back to the Future, and it's like they equate those with me. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to bond over that. Today we went and bought, you know, Sienna a skateboard for her birthday. She was going to buy, mm. I know skateboarding. And so when we walked into that, I knew she was getting the wrong board for what she wanted to do. Now, I ended up buying a board that was double the price. <laughs> But I knew it wasn't the right board for her. But she thought she, all she knew was this kind of skateboard. Yeah. So I said, "Look, I didn't say this, but I was like, I know what a skateboard is. You actually want one of these. This is going to be way better for you." And I and then her and I were out a couple hours ago, and even though we fought about her wearing a helmet, <laughs> uh, I showed her a little trick, and she sat outside in the cul-de-sac for the last two hours, and we watched her go around trying to do that trick. Over and over and over. So I think they'll equate me with some of those things versus some of the things they equate you with. Like I don't have the patience to sit and build, a, nor the brain to build the Lego set, which yes. is what you did for three hours yesterday with our youngest. Yeah. She I might would, have even left for a bit. I got <laughs> so into that yeah. Lego. Yeah. Oh, I was right And I'm not a Lego it. guy. I don't like, I don't oh. get that. So I'll do movies, I'll do sports, I'll yeah, do yeah. skateboarding, I'll do snowboarding, I'll do go- I'll do stuff I like. <laughs> Pretty much. Enjoy the And then the, they the will adapt enjoy to me, fold. but I find it very, yeah, they love very it. hard to do the stuff that I'm like, I can't, like, I can't do this. Yeah, you know? but you're good. My, You'll my enter weakness. in. We've got some videos yeah. of you when they were like young, dancing in princess dresses and oh, stuff yeah. like well, that. that stuff's like, fun. yeah, you got you entered that. in, and then you've yeah. evolved with them. Yeah. It would be weird if you were that kind of dad when they had their friends over and were like, "Hey guys, you want to play a game?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you know when you step in, right. when to step out. So Usually walk, with right. me whispering in your ear, going, "Right, okay, not this no. is yeah, yeah." So sometimes I talk a little over the top, harsh, probably because I'm trying to, you know be disciplinary and mm-hmm. you know whatever so that's probably my biggest weakness but yeah, yeah but they they love you yeah a lot well, <laughs> well that's a good we all I'm on the board 
We all love you. And there might, just publicly, throughout, there might be a, a little boy in our future still. You just never yeah. know. Never know. You just never know. Never know. Um, anyways, I am so, so <laughs> excited to celebrate your 40th. 40. I'm excited for the legacy and the other half of your life. <laughs> That's well, over this Well, my grandfather is 98. That's right, and your other and my, grandfather lived to ninety six. So I may get so into my nineties. You're not I'm, over the hill knows? yet. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. I got another ten you're years. You're not there. You're yeah. not there. Well, anyway. happy birthday! Thank, thank you for you. being authentic. Love you guys. Thanks this to all show you is. Uh, let me talk now. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is, your show, this is my, my show. show. Right. This show is all about authenticity, and so yes. I'm thankful that publicly and in our home you are that and so we want to celebrate you you this birthday thank you so shout out to mark clark for his 40th birthday thank you for listening to the good the bad and the beautiful if you're interested in homeschooling you can follow along on my podcast homeschooling with aaron clark Please subscribe to both podcasts and it would mean the world to me if you could leave a five-star review. It just helps to get the word out. If you'd like to follow me in the Instagram world, you can follow me at Aaron E. Clark or on my blog at AaronEClark.com. Until next time, have a fabulous day.